0: Hi, this is Rob Watts, author of Hold the Folk, and if you don't listen to a Sci-Fi Saturday Night, the hidden people will come after you. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Saturday Night. We will begin mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war.
1: Don't think you're gonna...
0: It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's
1: your sacred
2: duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you a witchcraft.
0: You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message bring to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Yeah, that, that almost worked, getting the, the mute button off in time. <laughs> nice job. Hey, what can I tell you? It's TalkCast 148, and it's Kevin Eastman lookalike night here on Sci-Fi Saturday <laughs> Night. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 451, the Mock Turtle Soup Pavilion, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are the usual suspects from the Revere Time Vortex. It's Silent Soundboard Vixen, who's probably going to sleep through the show. Kriana,
1: I am the worst Kevin Eastman lookalike. I think my boobs are coming out of this turtle costume. <laughs>
0: yeah. From the stacks of her personal silence, only the dang tension reading room, keeping cool, calm, and collected, it's Zombrarian.
1: I don't look like Kevin Eastman. I look like that guy next to him. <laughs> because I have alcohol and the Devil Wears Prada on TV. And that's all I'm interested in today.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. Hey, from the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, the man who can draw a turtle, it's Illustrator X.
3: I'm your uh, one-way ticket to midnight. Call me Heavy Metal.
0: Yep. And his lovely entrepreneur <laughs> sitting next to him, the woman who can smack him anytime he tries to sing, it's Dead Redhead.
4: I don't look like Kevin either, but I think he's really cute and he's really nice.
3: People, we all have she 80s clothes. She loves
4: throws. him. She <laughs> wants to kiss him. <laughs> uh, 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 Probably. But I, I know that X has made eyes at uh, Julie before, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but <not> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Our guests tonight are uh, filmmakers from the upcoming documentary Turtle Power, which obviously is clearly not about making turtle soup. Randall Law, uh, Mark C, and Isaac Elliot Fisher. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. Hey,
2: hey thanks, thanks for, for having us. us. Of course, no, it's
0: Randall Slope and I've screwed the name up already. Shoot me. Fuck. Uh, yeah, we're off to a we're off to a terrific start here because. Uh, Oh, I don't know. Oh, before we get started, before we do anything else, uh I was talking to a, a fan of the show this weekend. We actually have them. And I feel good. Hi, so uh everybody except the dead redhead is gonna be disgusted to hear this. But do you know that, that that guy that the Dead Redhead has this insane crush on?
1: <gasps> oh no. tear. Oh my god. What
0: about it? Yeah, uh, I brought you copies of his music because he sounded like he didn't know what it was. And it, it's really kind of cool. And I, I've got get along with you people. And I said, no. The only one you can get along with is the dead redhead. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, there was actually somebody else who knows Voltaire. So I'm impressed.
3: Yay! Let's hear it for French philosophers.
1: <laughs> Thanks, X. Let's-
3: what's going on in the world today so no
1: i i can tell you what's going on not in the world today because on mars um... curiosity uh... i know i don't know if people know curiosity has been sending uh... messages back from mars so basically you're saying there was a robot there was a robot and it sent a message back from mars um... yesterday on recording night, so this past Wednesday when y'all are actually listening to this.
0: Thursday. um,
1: And not only did Curiosity wish Mr. Ray Bradbury a happy 92nd birthday. Except, you know, he's dead. Well, yes, but we can still wish him a happy birthday. (laughs) I I know, but he can't receive it or be grateful for it because, you know, he's dead. Well, but they also have decided to name... The landing site, uh, Bradbury Landing, after Mr. Ray Bradbury. That's awesome. In honor of him being the best Martian chronicler out there, besides possibly Curiosity. Also because NASA's broke and they need funding and he's dead. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute.
3: (laughs) How come, wait a minute, how come... Anytime I want to bring up a science fact article, it's like, like the asteroid belt is really made of cheese or something. You guys shoot it down, but this we can talk about as our lead story.
0: Because the one you bring because up. Because
1: it's about Ray Bradbury. Because it's not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> there are three reasons right there. Oh, we have God. more if you'd care to hear them.
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, the if asteroid belt only is made of first- cheese. Now, reading only the first paragraph of an article and assuming that it's true is never a good idea. Uh, Using Yahoo News as your prime source is never a good idea. Using Fox News as your primary source? Even less of a good idea. (laughs) Using Comics as your primary source? Never a good idea.
1: If the funding was. If it it was funded by Scientology, probably a bad
4: idea.
0: (laughs) Wow. Okay.
1: Or the Mormons, just saying.
4: Oh my... yeah, No, let's not God. get political. <laughs> wow, I'm just we're... saying, they
1: have, they put out some research on undergarments that's just really not believable.
3: You know, we're gonna have to close the show early because I don't know how long it's gonna take all of you to suck it after this. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Woo! Is that part of what we have to do as guests? <laughs> <laughs> Is that something I don't... Well,
0: you well... An
4: answer. You, you
0: I don't... I, I understand if you're a little you do
4: anything. put off
1: at this point. Oh and we're God,
2: good. Put I, I, I'm not put off. I, I, I think was, they're I
1: turned on, that. actually. I was <laughs> scared.
4: Oh, it's another one of those shows. Yeah. <laughs>
1: it's always one of those. Next shows. thing you know, there's Jennifer Lopez and Alf and Colin.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so, so, X, you know, I'm looking at what you've brought to the show tonight. And that is seems to be Dead People and Superman and Wonder Woman doing no, it.
3: No, 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 no. Forget it. Forget it. Move <laughs> on. Either talk about either talk about Terry Gilliam's new movie or no, just talk about Terry Gilliam's new movie. I haven't heard anything about this.
0: Well, you haven't heard anything about the Zero Theorem because it's uh something that he's been working on trying to get funding for it. And uh the script- Does it have-
4: does it have anything to do with Don Quixote? I hope not.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> because no. if
4: so, it won't get made.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Not really. Um, it's a script about the far future and a guy who's really a man out of time, man out of place. And. Uh, yeah, that's Terry for you. Yeah, and I mean it's it's typical of Terry Gilliam, and I mean his last film was uh, uh, the Doctor Parnassus one, which I just didn't. Oh, know.
4: I like that one.
0: Uh, it
3: bears it,
0: the
4: more. It bears more watching. Yeah,
3: it's a dense film. Not yeah. in a bad way. It's just it's <laughs> one of those things. I know it's like I know this, uh, things that are going to click the fifth time I see this.
0: Seriously, because yeah, I. It was difficult for me to get through the first time, uh, but you know, you, you went look-
4: difficult. Watch *Tideland*.
0: <laughs> oh, Never again. But, but you look at some of his other stuff, you know, Brazil and and that, and it's just, I have no problem at all with that. And it was just immediately sucked me in. *Parnassus* just never never connected with me. This, you know, he's he he's doing a lot of uh, influence with George Orwell and Philip K. Dick and putting it together. Which me, for me, you know, that does it right there.
4: Sure.
3: He's one of those directors, I don't care what he's doing, I'll watch it. Yep. He's had some clunkers, I don't care. He's one of my favorite directors. And he's got a when, great when?
2: actor in this too. Who's in it? Christopher Waltz.
4: Ooh! Christoph Waltz. From, um, Bastards movie.
3: From that bastards movie, <laughs> now who are we? Now who have we offended?
0: Wow! On the
3: list was it? JJ Abrams? Is he
4: still mad at us?
0: JJ Abrams is never going to do this show for a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> so, I think it has a lot to do with no, some other
4: glorious oh. bastards.
3: Oh! Jesus oh! Hulk. The nuts! Oh, yes. that guy! Oh my yes. God! Oh, he's on! Ama- he's
4: amazing! Yes,
3: he is. I'm there. I think
4: yeah. if,
2: if you think about that that guy, um, he has a heck of movies. Working with Gilliam is a, is a great move, if you ask me.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, Terry has got a mind that is about four degrees off the rest of the world, which makes his movies probably more interesting than anybody else's right now because yep. they don't go where you expect them to go, and they don't move the way you expect them to move. So... Yeah, I'm looking. A-
4: Brothers Grimm. Brothers Grimm didn't work. Yeah, but not everything works. I mean, you know,
3: to start- you, oh my God, do you realize I just, just what a coincidence? I was just talking with someone today at um, at the day job who uh, I mentioned Twelve Monkeys out of the blue, and she's like, "Oh, is that one of the Planet of the Apes movies?"
4: <laughs> <Jeez>.
3: <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my God, how soon they forget." <laughs>
2: You should have said there are way more than 12. in. The- <laughs>
4: <laughs> one of the few times Brad Pitt actually acted.
2: No, no. this is not. <laughs>
3: not
0: a chance in hell. Mm. <laughs> so when's that coming out? Uh, it starts shooting in, uh, in the fall. And okay. he's got a 38-day uh, shooting schedule for it. It's one of the shortest shooting schedules he's ever done. And he's very comfortable with that. So, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to it. It's probably we'll from- Yeah, definitely go. There's no go. question there. Mm-hmm. Ah. So. Uh, I want
4: to talking- know about the Tesla Museum. Sombrarian? I was what? actually just going to say, can we talk about the Tesla Museum? Because Please. I'm super
1: excited.
0: Yeah, so, yeah,
1: yeah. Do it. So, regular listeners to the show will recall that when the Oatmeal posted their... Um, comic. Their comic format biography of Nikola Tesla. We were all really excited, Absolutely. cause awesome. So now, <laughs> brah, 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 there's a nonprofit organization. Um, that is affiliate. I think the guy from the oatmeal is in is leading this in some way. Yes. Sir. Or affiliated in some way. Matthew. I. Right. I Did not reading comprehend it (laughs) quite well enough to know for sure. (laughs) Um, But there's a nonprofit organization that's looking to buy the site of um, Tesla's final laboratory in Shoreham, New York, which is called Wardenclyffe, and they're going to turn it if they can buy it and if they get the funding, which they already have, actually. They're going to turn it into a Tesla Museum.
4: <laughs> Woo! That's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> yep. I mean, um, oh my god! Uh-oh. <laughs> X is at it.
3: <laughs> I, just, I can see it. a year from now, we're going to be reading an article. It turns out it was funded by the Edison Corporation.
1: <laughs> and they're going to level it to make it a light bulb museum. Well, their campaign is on Indiegogo, which is a lot like Kickstarter. Uh, they've already raised $990,491, Woo! which is over their goal, and they have 37 days left. Nice. But I think we can make this the best Tesla museum in the world, since it will be the only Tesla museum in the world. I
0: think we've if already
4: we, done that. If we donate, do we get a Nikola Tesla t-shirt?
1: You can get a Tesla t-shirt. Woo! Also, if you donate $33... You get a Tesla is greater than Edison bumper sticker, (laughs) which is awesome.
0: (laughs) The $100 Tesla baseball cap. I don't know why. I think that's a cool thing to do. Yeah. Speaking
3: of of cool science, isn't Fringe coming back soon?
0: Oh, well, (laughs) there's something that I can really uh, look forward to uh there's going to be a link on the website to uh, the first of the many, many, many little spoiler thingies that are going to be coming up in the near future about season five. Uh, the first trailer just hit the web this afternoon. And wow, <laughs> it's freakier than hell. And I like it already.
4: Is it going to be the last one, Dome? Do we know? This
0: is, this is the fifth and final season. And in a way, yeah. that's
4: good, so they can throw it all in this this coming season. Well, uh, we know we should get some wrap-ups, then.
0: Remember last season where they had that one uh, episode? It was episode 14, 15. It was set 100 years in the future.
4: Yes.
3: Yes.
0: Watchers had pretty much taken over the Earth. Right. Uh, they said that most of season five will take place in that future. Oh okay. wow! Am I the only one
2: that thinks that Walter is starting to look exactly like cigarette smoking man from X Files?
0: <laughs> You're right. No,
4: but I I, I watched that Dark Matter show, and I have to say he is freaking scary on that thing. He comes out and he's like, "This is your only warning." <laughs>
2: Yeah, he's uh, he is. Walter is starting to look more and more like that. That's creepy to me.
0: <laughs> the real question for season five is in what reality does it take and Nimoy coming back in? And the answer is he probably is. All
3: right. I'll put 20 bucks that Ross and Rachel end up together.
0: Oh, shit. Nice spoiler, you a jackass. I hit
4: him. I hit him. No,
0: seriously. It on that one, seriously, Zomborian. I know you're not a fringe fan.
1: I, I it's enjoyed the, cow, the isn't first. It? No, I really enjoyed the first season, and then they and like the first season and a half or so, I really really enjoyed, and then they lost me. They just yeah. absolutely lost me, and I don't. And I, I feel like I should go back and try again. Because I feel like it's not a hero's situation, where it started off really awesome, and it's kind of like jumping off of a cliff with fake wings. (laughs) For the first few (laughs) seconds, you're like, this is the best ever! I'm flying! And then you die. (laughs) I feel like this is like if you did that and someone caught you.
4: No, Fringe is more or, like... And
1: or a trampoline at the bottom of the cliff. I don't know where my metaphor is going.
4: I was going to say jumping off the cliff with one of those silk suits that you actually become a human kite thing. Okay.
0: See, for me, it was the exact opposite because I really did not like season one.
4: Here, fact, same here.
0: Yeah. A number of times, and then about two episodes into season two, somebody talked me into going back and giving season two a try and i was immediately captivated immediately
2: so do you guys prefer the legend mythology episodes or sort of the the contained episodes
0: you know i kind of like the legend episodes i kind of like the long story arc episodes with and
1: i'm the opposite i like i really do enjoy procedural i think that's part of why i like warehouse 13 so much is yeah. that even when there's arc next to the arc there's a b plot or an a plot depending on how much they want to feature the arc that's a contained procedural artifact of the week style thing and i think that's where fringe lost me when it was when it started to be mostly arc and not a lot of what are we going to hunt down today folks
4: <laughs> <laughs> like contain- i'm a stupid american <laughs> the contained ones, especially that one, and I think it was season three that had um, Peter Weller. Peter Weller. That one was just was, one of the most that, perfect episodes. That's
3: the one I tell people to watch to get into the show. It's like, if you like that, go back to the beginning. It's It just is wonderful.
0: Yeah. So uh, I, I'm actually looking towards a short season five, 13 episodes, and you're beginning, a middle, and a clear end to the show. And that's what they're promising.
1: And I am happy that it's getting a, a final chance to wrap things up. And yes. I feel like it's hit, it hit this high last season, uh, at least from the reviews and buzz I was hearing. Um, Buzz-wise, I feel like last season it was really, really great. I and agree. And so they're ending on a high note rather than kind of stuttering and staggering along. Like let's so many
3: out. great shows have
1: done, and <clears> like, let's go like, ten more. <clears throat> Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Oh oh, Jim. Illustrator X, you go. I don't. I can't even talk to you right now.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Doctor Who. Doctor Who is set to kick off on September first, with a uh, simultaneous opening in the UK and the US, and. There are all kinds of little teasers all over the interwebs, each one cooler than the one before. Could they fit any more Daleks into that scene?
4: I was going to say dinosaurs in more, space. Four and, and more Daleks and more Daleks. Get oh. the Daleks.
1: Dinosaurs in space. <laughs>
3: uh, as long as I get rid of Amy and Rory, <clears throat> I I will be happy.
4: Why do you hate life and fun, X? <laughs> you know, you're not the first one to ask you zomberry. I Zombrarian. do like life and
3: fun. That's why I want the, you know. Oh. So, anyways.
4: So, so some of us are also uh, waiting for American Horror Story. I think Zomberry and I certainly. I were. am so excited about American Horror
1: Story. I can't tell if I'm more excited for American Horror Story or Walking Dead. I really can't. No, mm. I, what if they have a crossover? I think <laughs> I think that would be the best. One. I think I'm more excited for American Horror Story cuz it'll be totally new. I want Jessica Lange. I you know what I want? My big dream is Okay. I want to be a, a a gay man and I want to be a drag queen and I want Jessica Lange to just come and talk to me. When I'm a drag queen in my future life,
0: wow. and
1: I will be, and I will become my my drag character will be Jessica Land, and it will be the best thing ever. Now,
2: this that's is a exactly, lot of layers. Holy shit! There that are
1: a lot of layers to, to, uh, to all of. You should hear about insane. my imaginary boyfriends.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, back when she did the Dillarentis King Kong in the '70s. Oh my That God. started it's to whole so trend like that. <laughs> it's the impact of her acting range
4: or well, when she was in Titus Andronicus
3: <laughs> oh god about oh, Francis I we, thought that
4: was the great. one with um, she was wonderful. Yes. Anthony Hopkins
1: the, t- the Titus with Anthony Hopkins in yeah, it yes
4: the Titus with the, Anthony Hopkins the, the yes. Julie, uh, Julie Taymor yeah.
1: Julie Taymor it's one of my very favorite Shakespeare adaptations ever yep Yep.
0: God. God.
2: I'm but not even going to talk about it, the postman post I twice. appreciate Julie
0: Taymor's but, work Sorry, what was that? What did you say no, that? Oh, nothing, nothing. Moving on.
4: <laughs> so do you know Zombrarian? Are we going to get the baby or just Jessica? No. She no just, be a Jessica totally because,
1: because it's all totally different
4: characters. It's the same it's, actress, but it's a completely new story.
2: That teaser least, was creepy. Did you see that? I know!
4: We have it <laughs> on the site, actually. At least we have it on our Facebook. I put it up, the one with the... Um, the little blue jacket or whatever it was and then the other one outside in the garden or yeah so the creepy nuns that are all in white i'm pretty pretty sure that the creep
1: the the creepy nun is jessica lange that could Um, be that's one of the spoilers that's been released is that her character is a nun and she's in charge of this asylum
4: Oh man, she's gonna kick people's asses. But apparently, she's this complete. Joseph Bynes
0: is the head of the asylum, and Zach Quinto is a doctor in the asylum.
1: And the guy from Maroon 5 is a (laughs) sex craze patient. What? Yes. (laughs) What? I I think they needed someone to come and take his shirt off.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay with their choice. Okay. So, mm. speaking of things like that, I just have to throw this out there because I had DVR this whole series from IFC called Bullet in the Face. And I know I knew nothing about it other than the fact that Eddie Izzard was on it and Eric Roberts was on it. For he who is a <laughs> past master for those of you who don't know him for anything else besides being um um Julia Roberts' brother and being the master in Doctor Who. He did a lot of other stuff. But anyway, uh, so I I had to see this show, and we kind of watched it straight through. And it's set in the future, and it's one of the most ridiculous things you've ever seen on television ever. (laughs) Folks, do, do you remember
3: the show Black Scorpion? Oh God! It's, oh, it's oh,
4: worse. It's worse.
0: It's pull <laughs> oh. cool,
4: the series. It's worse. Huey Bowl, the series. It's so bad. It's amazing. Oh, shit! How could they, how
0: could? Well, no.
3: You it's are, so are as unyielding as a snowflake. And I'm like, who the hell wrote that <laughs> line?
4: <laughs> it's about this this serial psychopath killer who's obviously got a, his. Paid, I don't know who he paid to get that accent from. It's like one of the most over-the-top German accents I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. And he's like Boris and Natasha or something. And he gets his face. His face is blown off by his girlfriend. So they put on him the face of this cop who's supposed to be this great cop. And they instead hire him to help the cop's gay partner to go out and bust bad guys. This is the premise of this series.
2: Such a cliche. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean you know, how the how they I,
4: they
3: I gotta got
0: say, though, times we have to watch this. Seriously. There, there
3: was there was one scene though that I was like, okay, they got me. Because Out of the entire series, he's, there was one scene. Well no, the it's scene only like four or five. I wasn't I was like, oh, this looks stupid. And then he's interrogating this kid who had shot up his family, and he pours popcorn kernels down the kid's mouth and then shoves a hair dryer in his mouth and has them all pop. I was like, wow, I got it. Son of a, I've got work to do here. I got to watch this.
1: Oh man. What is this insanity? (laughs) Exactly. That's what it is. It's
4: insanity. It's It's called bullet bullet in in the face,
3: bullet in the face. And it's got Eddie Izzard in it.
4: In one of his worst roles ever.
3: (laughs)
0: And that's a lot you're talking about Eddie Izzard.
4: Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> I think Eddie was drunk through the entire series. Speaking oh, so. of Eddie Izzard,
1: another one of my fantasy things is that he plays Tim Curry in a docudrama about yes. Tim Curry. What?
4: Yeah, except he's not tall enough, but
1: yes! He can put on heels. I see that? You <laughs> know that Eddie Izzard can oh, walk in yes. heels.
3: Are they doing like a yes, a, a documentary about Pirates of Dark Water or... <laughs> The movie Oscar. I mean, is that what it is?
1: No, it's. I it's, just want there to be a docudrama about Tim Curry and Eddie Izzard plays Tim Curry. Ah.
0: So last week, uh, when Doug Jones was on, and was uh, kind of uh, speed da- speed dating us through all his projects that he was on, he was ta- he talked about a movie called John Dies at the End.
1: Spoiler.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the big spoiler. <laughs>
0: Why is that a spoiler? What did I- <laughs>
4: we're teasing. We're teasing. No,
1: Doug said that the title. Never mind.
0: <laughs> My head hurts.
1: <laughs> Your the hurt know. even more with a plot yes. synopsis of, of the movie.
0: Yes, because John dies at the end. Get it. Anyway, uh, one of the things that we were- he was talking about was that they were looking for a distributor for it and wasn't sure when it was opening, that it had been seen at Sundance, yada, yada, yada. And they did get a distributor finally.
4: Woo!
0: Release date yet? But believe it or not, uh, Io9 refers to John Dies at the End as a festival smash.
1: Hmm.
0: Nice. So, nice. I, I mean, Io9. You know, they don't like much over there.
1: That's so true. So, so congratulations, you know. casting crew Yay! of John Dies at the End. Mm. Yes, we look so, forward to viewing your fine film
4: ASAP. A, and if you'd send us a preview copy, we'd t- say be, even well, more wonderful things about it.
1: Absolutely. So far, all we can say is it sounds really freaking cool.
0: Yes. Yeah, and Paul Giamatti. You know what? I, I would I would see a movie with Paul Giamatti and Doug Jones. Absolutely.
1: Yep. And Doug Jones plays the inhabitant of a parallel dimension that collides with our dimension but the only way you can get there is using a drug called soy sauce. I am so right. in it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's
4: right. Oh I've my had God. some of
0: that soy sauce. I'll never forget. <laughs> because right now, it's time to look at what we didn't get to last week because Doug Jones was busy singing to us and that is this week's Facebook poll, which was also last week's Facebook
4: poll. Yes. Magical which ironically, poll. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, And now I suddenly can't talk. Um, And imagine, it didn't even change that much. We had more voters, but they all voted the same way, which is pretty interesting. But what we said is, we asked what sci-fi franchise has run its course, stick a fork in it, it's done. And I would like to say thank you to all but one of our fans, because none of you voted for us. Yay! (laughs) Yay! We had one person who did, who shall be nameless, and we'll get back at him. Uh, We know you. (laughs) We know you, dude.
0: You know that we know you. We know where you live, and we know what uniform you wear. Enough said. Red
4: shirt. You know what just happens to red shirts. Red shirts. So, anyway.
0: So what are we going to kill off? So
4: number three is the Transformers movie series.
3: Oh, I don't think it's just
0: a tr- movie series.
4: All of the Transformers.
0: <laughs> I'll say that real loud because, you know, really? Frankie kind of loves the Transformers series.
4: You're- done with the Transformers out there. Coming in at number two, ooh, some people may want to hold their ears about this, but coming in at number two was the Star Wars movies. And series.
3: The the whole 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 franchise. Number two, they're just sick of it. I don't know. I do like the fact that one of our uh, listeners was actually (laughs) offended that we put Star Trek on the list to vote. like, (laughs) How can you say that Star Trek would ever... Never!
4: Maybe that's like, that's the same fan who said that they were done with us. Well, there you go. I didn't notice, but...
0: I don't believe so, no. I believe we, we <laughs> lost two along the way. And <laughs> You know what? The, the one who, uh, who said... Well, now, he, wait a minute. Yes?
3: I just realized, if, if number one is the Turtles, that's going to make the next half hour very Wait awkward. A minute. Wait a minute.
2: I just actually went to your page and checked carefully. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say that.
0: Very nice. Oh, that's right. the only reason you decided to come on, right? Because that wasn't on the list there. Gotcha. A, oh. no,
2: <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not that crass. One,
4: which I think we could all get behind this one. We'd all like to stick a fork in it, uh, put it in well, a garbage bag. Uh, put it in a nuclear reactor, blow it up a few times,
0: <laughs> shoot it into the sun. Yeah, we could do any number of things with it.
4: And that is lost the... in space. Hush! No, it's the Twilight franchise. Yes, we'd okay. all like to see that die a horrible death. I guess she'll never come on the show either, huh? <laughs> Thank God.
2: As a sci-fi fan, I'm offended that Twilight is on the list. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I
1: feel like, because we we don't do romance novels here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. (laughs) We do sci-fi or horror or even paranormal, but we don't do romance novels, which is what those books are. Bad, bad romance novels full of Mormon
4: values. (laughs) We had 30 or 40 people who were like, no, stop it, put an end to it now. (laughs) Uh so thank you, fans. We'll come up with something new very soon.
0: Yes, we will have something new on the page. Soon as Dead Redhead
4: gets a new laptop. <laughs> there you
0: go. Yes, that's something else we need to talk about. Somebody <laughs> wants to uh, mail in their idea of what she can use for a new laptop? Now that Illustrator X fried the one that she had.
4: No, he didn't. I have to say, no, he didn't. I'm Don't saying it on the air. Okay,
0: even go. There. <laughs> Hello. Fantastic. One, two. The reality is, ladies and gentlemen, that with the resurgence of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and we know this because when Kevin Eastman was at uh, Boston Comic Con, he was absolutely mobbed uh, yes. by, by us as well as other people, actually. I worked his table. I know how many people were there. I stood in line to talk to him for three and a half hours.
2: Wow. <laughs> And you know, were- I, I, I want to tell you something about that. We, uh, we've been a lot of places where he's been, and that is the case everywhere. It's, it's a, uh, there'll be a comic convention or some fan show somewhere where there's no audience anywhere else, and he's got a lineup. It's amazing. And
0: we're talking to Randall Loeb and his compadres, uh, Mark Hussey and Isaac Elliott Fisher, doing, working on the documentary Turtle Power. So, Randall, yes, this sir. was your brainchild?
2: Uh, I would like to say that this is not my brainchild. In fact, uh, I was not a big turtle fan before we started working <laughs> on it. Oh,
4: my. How yeah, did you here's, the project then?
2: Here's, uh, here's the reality of the turtles. In 1984, uh, I'm an old man, so in 1984... I was uh, a comic collector, and I happened to be at the Silver Snail, which is a very famous comic shop in Toronto, Ontario, and I saw the unpacking of that first issue, and I said, this is a crass commercial exercise, and the guy who runs the shop said to me, no, no, it's awesome. It's as if Frank Miller had a sense of humor, and you know, he went (laughs) up. Nice. Yeah, and he didn't say it like that. He's actually friends with Frank Miller, but he said it's Frank Miller plus comedy, and You know, I picked it up and looked at it, and I thought it was a commercial exercise. It didn't fit the comic shelves, so it was in its own rack by the door. You know, all, all this seemed to me to be an exercise in commercial and fan appeal. So, I didn't think much about it. Fast forward to, oh, I would say Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving, which is in October 2008, and Isaac Fisher, who's about half my age uh, and is a... A guy who I knew when he was a high school student, and I w- I'm a teacher in my, day, in my day life. My alter ego is a high school teacher, and we were working on a, a film project that students and teachers kind of get together over a course of a few days and, and do this project. And I was impressed by his ability to focus and build anything he needed to build and his drive, and I said to my buddy, this kid's crazy enough to get into the industry and, and make a go of it. And lo and behold, a few years later, he approached myself and Mark Hussey, my partner who's here, and he said, would you guys like to help me make this documentary on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? And at the time, it was about their fans and about the collectibles. And we, you know, my first response was like it is to everything. No, I don't want to help with that. I don't want to be involved. My, my life is already chaotic. But uh, Mark, who's an optimist to my pessimist, or let's say cynical pragmatist, Mark said, hey, no, we should do it. That's interesting. And, and of course, the more you think about it, you think, well, it's a fan base that's, that's real. There's a niche market. We could maybe sell it online. And so we started to work on it. <clears throat> but here's the weird thing that happened. My first call to Mirage, which is the company that uh, Peter and Kevin started, Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman started way back. Uh, it, the phone rang, and the guy who answered it was the CEO of the company, Gary Richardson. Like he, nice. he basically was there. And I said, "Hi, I'm looking for Gary Richardson." He said, "This is Gary." So I didn't have to jump through any hoops, and I was able to talk to him. And, and I'm pretty good on the phone, which is a little bit of a joke that we have <laughs> in our little in our little team. And Gary basically said, after a few conversations, you know, I-, I can't stop you from making a documentary about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, you know, I'm not going to support it. We're not going to help, but uh, you know, we wish you all the best of luck, and we won't try to stop you. Yes, you fast- so it's
0: nice. Yeah, it
2: is. It is nice, and it's it was a surprise. But you know, you fast forward a couple months, and I'll let Isaac tell you what happened when he went to the New York Fan Expo, or uh, sorry, New York Comic Con.
5: Yeah, that's right. I guess that would have been because uh, we shot kind of a a teaser or a test thing in January that year. Uh, so we're talking three years, eight months ago. And uh, so February '09, we went down. A cousin of mine and I went down, and uh, we had booked some interviews at Mirage to shoot with Peter and shoot with some of the artists there. But then um, we knew that Kevin was going to be at the uh, the Toronto, or the, sorry, the the New York. Comic Con because he owns Heavy Metal magazine, so I kind of figured, hey, we'll go spend the days in advance of seeing Mirage, and uh, and I'll walk up and and see what he says. So uh, because of the at the time, the New York Comic Con still actually had the press passes. The press passes actually gave you kind of uh, ultimate access; you could get in at any time and everything. That's of course all changed for all cons now, but I could get in. Hours before the, the, the gates open, so I walked down the aisle. I was the only person in the whole, the only fan in the whole place. And of course, I've got this blaring white turtle shirt on. I'm exactly the right age for all his fans, and you could just see the look of his face from a mile away. He's like, "Oh, yep, there's one. He's coming already." <laughs> uh, and uh, but in the nicest way possible, because I mean the guy is, a, is an angel when it comes to every single person that, that comes up to him. He will give them the time of day and tell them, you know, answer every question with the super enthusiasm. And so I said, hey, you know, uh, doing a film about you and your history, you want to be in it? And uh, he's like, yeah, all right. So by the end of that three or four days, I you know, I sat down and had a, 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 some drinks with him after the con. And he said, well, why don't you guys come down? in uh, March and I'm selling this house you can live in there and I guess well I guess Mark or Rand kind of helped help talk talk about that and uh, yeah there we were we just kind of the ball just started rolling and we just never stopped I mean here's how nice Kevin Eastman is
2: Uh, after Isaac met him I called him and started making arrangements to go to LA to shoot with him and he said Well, you guys can crash in this house I have for sale up at Summit and Pinnacle, which is the same neighborhood as, at the time, Britney Spears and Gwen Stefani. (laughs) But for real, like, this is a house that... It
5: was was crazy. Gates and gates. I always tell the story that they had... How many? It was six bathrooms, and five of them had showers. We're we're small-town
2: guys from, you know, rural Ontario. And what we found out right away was... um, if you have access and you're nice people and you are hard workers and you do a good job, you get respect from everybody who's a legitimate good person down there. So not only did Kevin Eastman treat us like he was, you know, a, 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 like a friend. He treated us like a friend. We ended up at Henson Studios talking to Brian Henson, which I don't know. if <gasps> you, Yeah. That, so you're the right age to No that that's huge. <laughs> oh, shit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Sweet.
4: Guys, we we actually, X and I, know exactly how nice Kevin is because we got married at the museum. The words. Oh, wow. At the Words of oh. Pictures Museum in Northampton. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. actually had closed down the museum and they kept two of the floors completely intact with the paintings and the furniture and everything until after our wedding.
5: That's amazing. You know, So you know Fiona... Fiona, who runs.
4: Oh yes, we love Fiona.
5: She's a super nice lady. Yeah.
4: Oh my
2: god! But well, we ended up through this this uh, week, and by the way, it was during my March break from school, <laughs> as, as I say, my high school teacher. And and Mark, he works in multimedia here in uh, in our community in the county, basically running uh, multimedia for the entire county and. We took the time off, we went down, and we just started making this documentary on our own. And, and as soon as we were down there, as I say, we realized, and I think you guys have backed me up, we're not just making a fan documentary anymore. We no. are able to get anywhere and get access and shoot at a level that put us really above what we had hoped. Wouldn't you say, Mark? Absolutely. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> Excuse me, I got something in my throat. <laughs> and, it's, and, and really, he's the kind of guy who... If you look at the way it, it works, Isaac's <laughs> energy and enthusiasm is kind of crazy and over the top. To me, uh, I'm the naysayer and I'm sort of this realist and this pragmatist and I'm likely to bring up all the problems. And Mark is this sort of Zen, you know, I didn't call him an optimist, but a sort of a Zen master and everything's okay, guys, and we're going to find balance. And so somehow this combination of the three of us and then our our fourth guy. There's literally only four of us making this documentary. The three of us are the the three primes and then my cousin Curtis, who was in film school at the time, he left and and came with us. And somehow just getting into these places and being the right kind of guys, the next thing we know, Gary Richardson called me up and he said, would you guys be interested in shooting uh, the 25th anniversary celebrations for our press company? And giving us material that goes on the web, and you know, just sort of being at all the events. And
0: oh no, why would you want to do that? Seriously, what a
2: <laughs> so oh, fucking
0: up. boring. Seriously, what were but, they thinking?
2: You know what the worst part was? It was when we were with them at the Empire State Building uh, on the service elevator going up to the top, and they all the people who are waiting in line to go in are watching us with these guys in turtle outfits and we meet these guys from LA, these producers and Steve Barron, the director of the first movie and you know you start to think uh, I think we just went behind the curtain. I don't- <laughs> we're not out front anymore. We're part of the story and the fans are looking at us and we're looking back at them and we realized we've crossed over and I don't say that arrogantly but I think the other guys will back me up. Suddenly we were friends with these people and that really was a turning point for us, and we realized this documentary can go a little further. And one of those producers that we met was uh, involved in uh, the 2007 TMNT movie. His name's Galen Walker. He produced it, and he approached us and said, "You know, maybe we can work together. And if something happens in, you know, in Hollywood with the turtles, and he knew something was brewing." He said, if something happens, maybe, you know, there can be a deal made down the road. And we're still kind of working with those guys, Scott Mednick and uh, Galen Walker, and still hoping that at some point, uh, you know, we can make a deal. But as you guys know, Peter sold the Turtles, the rights to Viacom, yep. and that's Nickelodeon. Yep. And uh, that <laughs> made everything go from where we were, which was at whatever level you want to say, to a giant new level where now we're, we're talking to people who, you know, we are, <laughs> what are we? Are we a distraction? Are we real? You know, we're constantly trying to prove ourselves, and I, I don't know where it, where it could go, to be honest, but... It, it well, where,
0: could, where is it at right now? That's, that's the real question.
5: Well, I want to jump on there um, and fill in some of what, what Randall has talked about, and that we, during that time, some you know, he touched on some of the cool interviews that we got, but we really collected... I mean, oh, geez, what do you think, guys? Probably 120-plus the first couple of rounds, hours of footage. Um, I, think total, I think, yeah, total at this point, we've collected close to 80 different interviews, um, including, and that includes some fans and stuff. But, I mean, we're talking everything from the entire cast to the original the original voice cast of the, the show. We brought them back together when we were staying uh, at Summit Circle, um, we did uh, like tons of the movies, movie people. Whether it's Brian Henson, Kevin Clash, the director Steve Barron, guys in suits, you know, guys who were voices. Uh, so every everything, every aspect from the comics to the cartoons, to the toys, to the movies, to you know, any, anything and few and far between, we've collected. So it's kind of a a giant a giant uh, hard drive, I
0: guess. So I think we have when when you first came to Randall with this idea mm-hmm. this is nothing like what it 's turned into exactly yeah, I mean totally the funny thing was is that leading
5: up to that i was you know i 'm a freelance film and television guy, so I work in in TV and film, and I was uh, staying in my brother in law 's basement um, and I was searching around online because I was collecting hardcore uh, Collecting turtle paraphernalia. Oh, thank the God you went there. You. Yeah. yeah, there we go. I'm just flying into there, and then anyway. So I'm thinking, uh, at the time I was thinking that I, I think it'd be really neat to know more about this history, and and to see that that documentary. And but my God, would it be really cool to work on it? You know, I was just looking for it. Must be being done. It must you know already be in the works or, or have been done. And so I searched and searched, and, and there wasn't anything. So to Truthfully, I always, you know, lofty dreams, like high hopes that, yeah, it would become this, but never in my reality did I ever think that that could could happen. Um, but I guess, we're like Rand kind of set me up, as I kind of never take no
0: for an answer. So we just kind of plunged so, through.
2: we have this, well, oh, go ahead. I was, was, I was just, up
0: just kind of a fanboy, God, wouldn't it be cool yeah. if we could do this? Has mm. you sitting talking to. Brian Henson. Listen,
2: I'll say it honestly, and I don't think Isaac will perceive this negatively. He was a fanboy to start. And the and the letters or emails that he would have sent to Gary Richardson would have put him into a category deserved or not. Like Gary would have said, "Here's a fanboy, he's a collector." And that throws him in a category. But when it's me and, you know, I'm in my 40s and I'm clearly not in the demographic Gary has a different vision of what this means. And so just having, it, I advise everyone, <laughs> have an old man travel around
5: with you. <laughs> oh. And quite, and, and, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's actually, the that's the best part of, of working together in this team, is that we all have these attributes that work really, really well. Because I can be the fanboy there and not have to worry too much about that. Well, being as, you know, obviously, we, we try to be as nice and as professional not creepy fanboy by any means, but um, but yeah, so I can literally lean on Rand in, in, that res- in that regard, so it's great. And listen, as
2: a fan, I mean, I will tell you some things that, you know, Isaac and I, when we were down in L.A. this last time in, J- in July, we talked about this. Isaac has sat between Kevin Eastman and Steve Barron in New York at the Tribeca Film Festival watching the 1990 Turtle movie, and, and he's sitting with Kevin and Steve watching this thing and nice. it, it's it's irreproducible you know <laughs> we have shots of us playing around at kevin's house with uh, some of the mm-hmm. fake guns from the heavy metal movies and kevin's with us you know
4: <laughs> X <No>. is ruling
2: <laughs> yeah it's just pretty interesting and and by the way not to make too much of a distinction but we've also I would say we've gotten friendly with Peter and he's a reserved guy he's
4: yes he is he's
2: a guy who likes to keep to himself and he maintains his privacy but even he has opened up uh you know his archives of video to us and he's been so friendly and so kind it's and we've we've gone past the point where i think we feel like interlopers anymore and we feel like we're part of this this family. It's so crazy to say because it sounds awful and self-serving, but I really do think that you know we do have a, a sense of being part of something because we've been working on it so long. And I was gonna say before to answer your question, and I don't know if you go by dome or sir dome. Dome is fine. Dome. We oh. have more footage.
4: Oh my we
2: have more footage than Michael Chimino had for Heaven's Gate.
4: Oh, oh my god.
2: That's for real. Which leads wow. me to...
3: Well, you've got all the footage. Let, me, let me ask... I, I, I want to ask you about the documentary itself, then. Um, what exactly it, are you focusing on? Because, I mean, to me, the Turtles, it, it's almost a... It's a story. I remember back when it was just this great up-and-coming black-and-white indie comic. And to me, I'm a big fan of the Turtles. I remember when the first... Uh, episode of the tv show came out and i thought uh oh, they're ruining a really great comic series and then of course the world was like no brian no x you're wrong mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole everyone seems to like that so i didn't know are you focusing on more on the the comics the the tv show and the movies mm-hmm. um last <laughs>
2: that you just described is in the in this documentary. And and you know, and I think what we have is more than just a documentary. We we have a documentary which is more or less an overview and then we have, you know, hour long in depth of just the black and white comics, so if you love the black and white comics and the things that Kevin and Peter worked on uh, together, you know, on that that's that uh, era of the Turtles. Then we have a whole section that you're just going to eat up. You know, you might ignore some of the others. So we we have you know mm-hmm. just basically everything from from the inception to even where it is now in our some of our last. Movies. The story, we, sorry, go ahead. sorry. All I was going to say is the story that we have X is. Uh, this this situation that that they fell into, which they described as a series of happy accidents, has been reproduced again and again and again. This crazy, bizarre series of coincidences, or people able to make things happen against all odds, and so it, it's really a DIY story of how some guys with a dream in in a basic you know a basic uh, lack of information. Were able to make something happen that exploded, and they rode it all the way to the point where, you know, we are today, where, you know, to be quite frank, there has been a little bit of an issue with what's going on at Paramount, but I think they've got a movie underway there that is going to be another chapter, another interesting, incredible part of this story, like how this silly group of turtles can be in every form of media in so many countries and remain successful it's it's really unparalleled
5: you know yeah it's, I think exactly like what is saying is is really cool about you know that's why like Mark and Mark was saying too is that you know we almost talk to them like we call them modules now because like there is this 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 um, one doc you know that will that will kind of go over everything and then you can focus on these different aspects but the what we kind of came to realize really quickly was, I think, I don't know, I mean, maybe I'm not as well-versed in the history of many other franchises. I don't don't know. I think I am. But the thing is, is I don't think this really exists anywhere else with any other kind of pop culture franchise in that these stories in every step of the way, whether it's, you know, how they got the comic started, how they got the toy deal, how they got the cartoon going, how the movie happened. Like, they were, every single one of them was against all odds, and they were just incredible stories in and of themselves so this is such a rich 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 history um to be collecting and then i think such an interesting story that i think a lot of people don't even realize right because they were just well it was huge it was huge when we were kids everybody you know everybody ran around and and had everything head to toe covered in turtles but it was so much more than that and i think that that's what i when i was you know, dreaming about it—that's what I wanted to know. I'm like, what was who drew this? This the back the card back to my toy. You know, what was the story behind it? So it's, it's really, and it turned out to be every bit as interesting as you you kind of hope and dream and wish, and and so often you find that many other the many other histories of, of franchises really aren't that interesting. So, in what part? Where? Where? Is the movie at now? It's sitting about five inches from me on a little black hard drive. <laughs> it's uh, three, three terabytes of, of uh, stuff that I'm sure a lot of people would really like to steal from my desk.
2: What we, are, what we are into right now is our last, I would say our last few, let's not call them shoots, but we literally have three, four days of shooting and that's it. And then we go into post production, and this is where I'll be honest with our process. <clears throat> Isaac, as our turtle uh, scholar, he goes and he does a pre-select of stuff that he thinks is valuable. That material comes back. Uh, I'm the you know kind of writer director, the story guy, and and I look at stuff and say, why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? Balance things out. Mark is the post production guy, and he's sort of the beating heart of this, and. And he goes in and he starts working on fine cuts based on the feeling and the, what he sees as a flow. And then I come in and sit over his shoulder and, you know, the stuff that he's lovingly crafted through pure emotion and gut feeling and instinct and intuition, I say, no, nah, no, nah, why don't you do
5: this instead? Sounds <laughs> 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 about right. Yeah, and, and then we're... What do you call them, the, the, the snap judgments or something? So, yeah, I make the, the brutal judgment. Brutal snap judgments, that was it. And so (laughs) So then. you're the
4: producer as well, right?
2: (laughs) Wait, we we all three have to end up producing, but just by virtue of um, being the main contact and stuff for a lot of things, I've ended up uh, having to do the the bad parts of producing.
5: And (laughs) And I'm
0: never going to make it in this town, sweetie, unless you do it my way. Yeah.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It sounds so, I mean, once you're done, um, I'm just throwing this out there that yeah. no one has yet dared to do the sci-fi Saturday night story.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and if you, if you think that we don't have the guts to do it, you are. <laughs> <the story. laughs> I, I'm looking at your picture right now, and I'm thinking there's a story in every one of those faces. It's a very scary story,
0: yes, in many cases. I, am,
2: yeah. uh, we, I, I, I think there's a story on that mustache alone. Uh, oh,
0: yeah. 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 Well, thanks for playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> the reality is i i want to know more uh i was not uh, originally kevin eastman fan i was a peter laird fan and i met peter like 15 years ago and was just kind of blown away and then i met kevin eastman about six months ago and was doubly blown away and could never figure out how those two had. Made what they made, and mm-hmm. now it's beginning to come together for me. I cannot wait to see this movie. I really am looking forward to this. I'd like you guys to come back at some point and talk about it uh, uh, as it comes closer towards being a finished product, so that uh, we can get a better look at what's going on. Sounds really intriguing, and it was we have really
4: one last question. I one... Oh, I dare I a real you. real quick question. And that is, and you guys might not be able to answer this on the air. Um, Did you ever encounter the crazy girl from Wisconsin?
2: (laughs) What's her name? (laughs) Well, now that we're not going to say, Um, uh, I think I I think I know who you're talking about. And if you are talking about someone who is in the VH1 show, let me tell you, she's not crazy, and she's not from Wisconsin either. She's a really she was. She was. Uh, I would say misrepresented on that show. Yeah. Uh, when you first meet someone who's really committed to some fandom, you can make them look really bad on a show. And Should, I'll admit, this that- is
4: somebody we actually met once at Mirage. Oh. We were at. We were <laughs> down a at a Mirage with uh, during one of the the tours they were doing and. Uh, they, no, given she was only 14, 13, 14 at the time. But oh. this girl was kind of crazy. I don't think.
2: That's <laughs> and, uh, no, this is no, a separate person. The, the person who was on the show on VH1 is a, a woman from Michigan, and she's a big fan. And she is a very nice woman, and she's done a lot of good with the Turtles. But uh, some, she is she is such a fan that she is intimidating for some people. And VH1 did sort of a hack job on her, so I thought that's oh. who you were talking about.
0: Randall Bark and Isaac, we're going to have to have you guys back. We really need to. Talk- talk about this some more. It's yeah. time for us to wrap up. X, take right. us out of here. Where are we sure. at?
3: Sure. And, and guys, please stick around after this. All, All right, right. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks very much, guys. You're welcome. So next week, straight from Pacino and Pacino Talent Agency, we'll be talking to Cavern of Comics host Cooper Barnes. On September 8th, award-winning author and filmmaker Joe Tripishin with his latest novel, Immortality Wars. On September 13th, if the New England horror writers strike again, L.L. Soares will join us with his debut novel, Life Rage. And on October 25th, con season's not over yet, Sue Soares shares the guest list for this year's Rhode Island Comic Con. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con, Con, and ComicArtHouse.com. Visit Comic art House for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD. <laughs> I want to thank our guest
0: tonight, Randall, Woke, and Fisher forward to Turtle Power. I want to thank our cast tonight from the Viewer Time Vortex, the Sweetheart of the Soundboard, Kriana, and Grammar Girls on Ontario. Turtle Power?
1: Cowabunga? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't>
0: Whatever. <know. laughs> from the Four-Color Vault of Comics, Illustrator X, and the Dead Redhead. I was always more of an asagi Jimbo fan myself.
2: <laughs> but we interviewed him, too.
0: This is Dylan saying, Genie shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus, do we all refute entropy? Good night, everybody.